Chapter Three, Part Three of Lady Molly of Scotland Yard by Baroness Orzee. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Irish Tweed Coat, Part Three. Well, you know the saying: it is easy to be wise after the event. Of course, when I saw the older Piatti standing in the hall of the Hotel Hungaria at Budapest, I realized that I had been followed from the moment that Emily and I ran out of the house at Bread Street. The son had obviously kept me in view whilst I was still in London, and the father had travelled across Europe, unperceived by me, in the same train as myself, had seen me step into the fiacre at Budapest, and heard me tell the smart coachman to drive to the Hungaria. I made hasty arrangements for my room, and then asked if Mrs. Carey from London was still at the hotel with her maid, for that was the name under which Mrs. Tadworth was to travel, and was answered in the affirmative. Mrs. Carey was even then supping in the dining-room, whence the strains of beautiful Hungarian melodies played by Burke's inimitable band seemed to mock my anxiety. Mrs. Carey's maid, they told me, was having her meal in the steward's room. I tried to prosecute my hasty inquiries as quietly as I could, but Piatti's eyes and sarcastic smile seemed to follow me everywhere, whilst he went about calmly ordering his room and seeing to the disposal of his luggage. Almost every official at the Hungaria speaks English, and I had no difficulty in finding my way to the steward's room. To my chagrin, Lady Molly was not there. Someone told me that no doubt Mrs. Carey's maid had gone back to her mistress's room, which they told me was number 118 on the first floor. A few precious moments were thus wasted, whilst I ran back towards the hall. You know the long, seemingly interminable corridors and passages of the Hungaria. Fortunately, in one of these I presently beheld my dear lady walking towards me. At sight of her all my anxiety seemed to fall from me like a discarded mantle. She looked quite serene and placid, but with her own quick perception she at once guessed what had brought me to Budapest. "'They have found out about the coat,' she said, quickly drawing me aside into one of the smaller passages, which fortunately at the moment was dark and deserted. "'And, of course, he has followed you.' I nodded affirmatively. "'That Mrs. Tadworth is a vapid, weak-kneed little fool,' she said with angry vehemence. We ought to be at Cividale by now, and she declared herself too ill and too fatigued to continue the journey. How that poor Shuttleworth could be so blind as to trust her passes belief. Mary, she said more calmly, go down into the hall at once. Watch that idiot of a woman for all your worth. She is terrified of the Sicilians, and I firmly believe that Piotti can force her to give up the proofs of the crime to him. Where are they? The proofs, I mean, I asked anxiously. Locked up in her trunk. She won't entrust them to me obstinate little fool i had never seen my dear lady so angry however she said nothing more then and presently i took leave of her and worked my way back towards the hall one glance round the brilliantly lighted place assured me that neither piatti nor mrs tadworth was there i could not tell you what it was that suddenly filled my heart with foreboding i ran up to the first floor and reached room number one eighteen the outer door was open and without a moment's hesitation i applied my eye to the keyhole of the inner one the room was brilliantly lighted from within, and exactly opposite, but with his back to me, stood Piatti, while squatting on a low stool beside him was Mrs. Tadworth. A trunk stood open close to her hand, and she was obviously busy turning over its contents. My very heart stood still with horror. Was I about to witness, thus powerless to interfere, one of the most hideous acts of cowardly treachery it was possible to conceive? Something, however, must at that moment have attracted Piatti's attention for he suddenly turned and strode towards the door, needless to say that I beat a hasty retreat. 
My one idea was, of course, to find Lady Molly and tell her what I had seen. Unfortunately, the Hungaria is a veritable maze of corridors, stairs, and passages, and I did not know the number of her room. At first I did not wish to attract further attention by again asking about Mrs. Carey's maid at the office, and my stupid ignorance of foreign languages precluded my talking to the female servants. I had been up and down the stairs half a dozen times, tired, miserable, and anxious, when at last, in the far distance, I espied my dear lady's graceful silhouette. Eagerly I ran to her, and was promptly admonished for my careless impetuosity. "'Mrs. Tadworth is genuinely frightened,' added Lady Molly, in response to my look of painful suspense. "'But so far she has been able to hoodwink Piatti by opening my trunk before him instead of hers, and telling him that the proofs were not in her own keeping. But she is too stupid to keep that deception up, and, of course, he won't allow himself to be put off a second time. We must start for Cividale as soon as possible.' "'Unfortunately, the earliest train is not till 9.15 tomorrow morning. The danger to that unfortunate young man over at Palermo, brought about by this woman's cowardly idiocy and the father's misguided trust, is already incalculable.' It was, of course, useless for me to express fear now for my dear lady's safety. I smothered my anxiety as best I could, and full of deadly forebodings, I bade her anon a fond good-night. Needless to say that I scarcely slept— and at eight o'clock the next morning I was fully dressed and out of my room. The first glance down the corridor, on which gave number 118, at once confirmed my worst fears. Unusual bustle reigned there at this early hour. Officials came and went, maids stood about gossiping, and the next moment, to my literally agonized horror, I beheld two gendarmes, with an officer, being escorted by the hotel manager to the rooms occupied by Mrs. Tadworth and Lady Molly. Oh, how I cursed then our British ignorance of foreign tongues! The officials were too busy to bother about me, and the maids only knew that portion of the English language which refers to baths and to hot water. Finally, to my intense relief, I discovered a willing porter, ready and able to give me information in my own tongue, of the events which had disturbed the serene quietude of the Hotel Hungaria. Great heavens! Shall I ever forget what I endured when I grasped the full meaning of what he told me with a placid smile and a shrug of the shoulders? "'The affair is most mysterious,' he explained. "'Not robbery. Oh, no, no, for it is Mrs. Carey who has gone. Disappeared. And it is Mrs. Carey's maid who was found. Stunned, gagged, and unconscious. Tied to one of the bedposts in room number 118.'" End of Part 3 of The Irish Tweed Coat